Hey friends, welcome to the City Hope Podcast. My name is Bobby Thompson and I have the privilege of serving as a lead pastor. I pray that today's message would inspire you, it would encourage you, and it would also challenge you in your walk with Christ. Enjoy today's sermon. Again, I want to just thank you for being here. Uh, my name is Bobby. I got to meet some of you. You're, you're new with us today, and I just want you to know that your presence matters here. It really, really does. And you may not hear that a lot, but uh, I would love the opportunity to meet you right after the service. Uh, you know, churches do things a bunch of different ways, but one thing that, that we want to do is we want to put the ball in your court. So if you want somebody to connect with you, we've got a tent right out front. We've got a free gift. We don't want to pressure you in anything, but we would love to uh, just have your back. We all like people having our back, right? We like people in our corner, and we want to be that for you. And so, uh, again, it's it's such an honor to, to have you here with us today. We are jumping into a new series of talks over the next few weeks. We're taking a chapter out of the book of James each week, and we're just going to dig in and pull some truths out. Now, I'm going to be honest with you. If, you've, if you read James with us this week in chapter 1, um, it's hard to pull out one or two things, right? Like, there's so much in God's Word. Um, but uh, 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 we're going to try our best just to pull out a couple things. So read along with us as we go through this over the next four or five weeks, um, and, and we'll jump in. Now, a, a reminder for some, and, and for some of you this is an invitation, uh, it's okay to say amen if you hear something you like, okay? It's okay to nudge your neighbor and say, hey, are you listening? Like, like that's for you. It's okay to do those things, right? I heard one pastor tell his congregations, it's okay for you to move. I was like, what is he talking about? And then I got it. He's like, you know, the people that when they hear something they like, they're like, mmm, right? Like, they move. People move. It's okay to move here at City Hope Church, all right? So if you need to move, go ahead. Uh, if you have your Bibles, go to James chapter 1, all right? James chapter 1. And I want to give you a little bit of context of what's going on here. James is the half-brother of Jesus, okay? So you guys remember the story of Jesus, Joseph and Mary, right? Mary was, was Jesus' mom, and James was, uh, was Joseph and Mary's real son. Okay, not real son, but uh, both of them, it was their son. So it's Jesus' half-brother. Okay, so just imagine who's the favorite in that family. Okay, so just it, it is what it is, right? James is the earliest book in, written in the New Testament. Okay, it's not the first as we list it. Matthew's first, but James is the very first book written after Jesus's death. James was the very first book that was written. James knew Jesus better than most, right? He was his brother. He watched him live his life, and he grew up with Jesus. Now, here's something really, really important about James. James grew up with Jesus, but James was not a believer in Jesus until after Jesus went to the cross, died, buried, and rose again. That's when James became a believer, all right? So he saw Jesus do these miracles. He saw his mom and dad like be wowed at him. But James didn't become a believer until Jesus resurrected and came back. But once he did, James kind of got on board with, man, this is the son of God. And then he writes this letter, all right? This is simply a letter to churches. It's a letter to Christians, a letter to people who were trying their best to live for the Lord, all right? It has so many practical uh, essentials for the faith, all right? Now, now, let me just list to you just in chapter 1 alone, all right? And I want you to think, do any of this apply to my life today? Trials, endurance, doubting, temptations, decision-making, 
money choices, listening, the power of your tongue, anger, favoritism, all of that is packed together in chapter one. Most of us in here probably can go, yeah, that's me right now. And so I just want to encourage you, dig into James. It's so, 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 so practical and and gives so much guidance in how to live a healthy and thriving Christian life. All right. So here's what I want to do, though. I'm going to pick out just a few verses today, and we're going to jump in and and see what God has for us. So uh, in honor of God's reading of the word, please stand to your feet and we will read. Start in verse number 22 and we'll go to verse 25. The Bible says this, but be doers of the word and not hearers only deceiving yourselves. If anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone looking at his own face in a mirror. For he looks at himself, he goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. Verse 25. But the one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Would you pray with me? Father, I pray for these next few moments of our lives that you would speak powerfully into our hearts. You know our situations. You know what's going on in our lives. You know the, 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 the wins. You know the losses. You know the struggles and the hurts, and you know the victories. So God, speak into our hearts today. Help us to apply what we hear to our lives as we go out into this world and strive to live for you. It's in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. James starts out with a pretty straightforward challenge, right? He's telling Christ's followers, this is how you should conduct your lives. He says, be doers of the word. Don't just be hearers of the word. Now, let's be honest. This is kind of easy for us, right? It's real easy to listen to God's word and not do anything about it. If we're honest, most of us have done that from time to time. And James is addressing this issue. And I want you to think about this. This is the first book written after Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection. And he's saying, don't just be hearers of the word, be doers. But this is still relevant today. This is still a message that we need today. There are plenty of people in the past who have heard the word of God and didn't do anything about it. Hearing the word of God is not the issue, right? The problem is doing what it says. Imagine this with me, if you will, for the, for the sake of illustration. Um, we give our children chores at home. How many of you parents give your children chores? Anybody? Anybody give your children chores? Do it, all right? It, it'll make them better. Like, give your, give your kids some chores. Well, imagine with me uh, one night after dinner, Shira, my wife, she looks over at Marley and she says, Marley, I need you to do the dishes, Okay, that's, that's the, the, the word that Marley got. A few hours go by, and I, I go to Marley, and I say, Hey, Marley, did you do the dishes? She says, Dad, Dad, when Mom told me that, I went straight to my room, and I started really thinking about that, Dad. And I started really, I memorized what Mom said, Dad. Do the dishes, Marley. I memorized it, Dad. And, Dad, let me just tell you something. I did some research Dad, did you know that when you do dishes by hand, it uses 32 gallons of water? Dad, did you know that if you do the dishes in the dishwasher, it uses over 100 gallons of water? Dad, did you know that the new dishwashers today use 60% less water than they used to? 
to? Dad, did you know there's people in other countries that don't have 100 gallons of water in one year? Dad, did you know that? Come on, Dad, you have to know. I did some studies, Dad. Did you know that soap in the hands of, of young kids causes arthritis, Dad? Dad, did you know all this? Did you know all this, Dad? And I look at Marlene and say, Marlene, I didn't know any of that. But I got a question. Did you do the dishes? No. But I memorized all that. I got a lot of facts about it, Dad. I know a lot about dishes now, Dad. And unfortunately, that's a picture of today's modern church. Unfortunately, that's a picture of, of what we see so often in, in church people and Christians. We have a lot of knowledge. Think about what you have in your, in your fingertips with your phone. You can listen to any preacher, any message he's ever preached. You can listen to messages from 100 years ago. We have so much information. We have so much time to, to memorize stuff. And we know what everybody has to say about everything. But here's the truth. Our problem isn't access to the word. It's application of the word. It's not, it's not access there are countries today, this may blow your mind, there are countries today that still cannot have a Bible. It is illegal to have a Bible. And I want you to know this, in America, we purchase over 50,000 Bibles per week. Per week. It's not that we don't have enough word. We have enough word. It's not access to the word. And what happens is this thing called cultural Christianity begins to take the spout. It begins to happen when, when your culture influences your beliefs instead of your beliefs influencing your culture, right? Christian, cultural Christianity happens when your biblical knowledge exceeds your obedience. For you math majors in here, we have a knowledge surplus and obedience deficit. We have a knowledge surplus. We know so much. And that's what James is trying to get across. He says, don't just be hearers, be doers. I want you to understand something. People are educated far beyond their level of obedience. Well, then he turns. He says, don't just be hearers. I want you to be a doer. I want you to do something about what God's word says. But then he turns to this example of the mirror. In verse 23, he says, because if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like someone who looks at his own face in a mirror, for he looks at himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of person he was. So I brought my mirror with me today. Some of you guys right here don't like it, do you? Y'all looking at yourself like, <clears throat> I brought my mirror with me today. All of us, every one of us got up this morning and looked in the mirror before we came to church. Now, I know some of you in here are like, I didn't. I didn't look in the mirror, all right? We can tell, all right? Just so you know, like, we, we can tell, all right? You need some better friends to tell you you need to look in the mirror, all right? Need a small, sign up for a small group, right, Brett? They need a small group. Somebody, somebody tell them they, they need to look in the mirror. <clears throat> the purpose of the mirror is what? The purpose of a mirror is to, for you to look at to accurately reflect what you are, who you are, what you look like, right? Now, let's be honest. What do we do? We get in front of the mirror and we suck the gut in, right? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Or we, or we, get, the, we get the right, the right uh, angle so we get a good selfie, right? Up, right, up, right? not down. Don't, don't do it from down. Do it from up. Like, we, 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 try, to, we try to make the mirror uh, make us look better, but just looking in the mirror doesn't change you, right? 
Looking in the mirror does, does nothing. You're not going to get any prettier. You're not going to get any uh, 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 less heavy just by looking in the mirror. Right? It's, it's there to, to reflect. The mirror is there to show you the real you. But what do we do? Most of us, when we look in the mirror and we, we see something wrong, we do something about it, right? We, we curl it, we straighten it, we paint it, we tan it, right? That's just the dudes, right? Like, that's just, that's just the guy. Like, we, we, do, we do something about it, right? We, we, don't, we don't just look at it and, and not do anything. Well, this is what James is saying. The word of God. The word of God is there to accurately reflect who you are. To accurately reflect who you are in light of who God is. Not who you want to be, not, 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 but who you are today. We don't just read the word of God. We need to let the word of God read us. That was a good chance to move. That was a really good chance to move. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Dad. Ugh. James says the primary purpose of God's word is to reveal who you are. See, God's, God's word, word is truth, right? God's word only spits out truth. It only gives you and I truth. And once you accept that truth, that isn't where it stops, right? We accept that truth, and then it's time to apply that truth to our lives. The Bible's not going to change you just by looking at it. It's application of the Bible with the power of the Holy Spirit is what changes you. The equation is like this. Reflection in God's word and application of God's word leads to transformation in your heart. So I reflect. I get this reflection. I read the word. I let the word read me. I reflect on God's word, and then I apply it. I do what God's word tells me to do. And because of that, because of that equation, then there's transformation in my heart. Can I just tell you this? That just because you come to church and you hear God's word, it doesn't make you any better than anybody else. It doesn't make you any more Christ-like than anyone else. You have to apply what you hear. You have to do what God's word says. As a matter of fact, I want you to just tell your neighbor this, and, and you can write this down. It doesn't work unless you work it. Tell your neighbor right now. It doesn't work unless you work it. It's easy to be deceived in churches today, especially like, like I get it. I talk about this all the time. I know it's a cafeteria, right? They're eating meatloaf in here in a couple weeks. Like, I, I get it, right? But it's easy to be deceived in churches today. You can experience all the feels, right? Oh, the kids' ministry is so good. My kids love it. Oh, oh the worships, man, they are so good. I love that song they sang. You can get all the feels, right? The coffee's good. Oh, oh, they got iced coffee now. Man, I like this church. Like, like the, the people are so nice. The, the preaching's mediocre. Like, 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 you can leave here and have all the feels, right? And do nothing that we talk about. And, and can I just be honest with you, every single week, every single Sunday, a majority of Christians do exactly that. They, they get all the feels, man, it was good. And then we walk away and don't do what God's word tells us to do. And pretty much what James is saying, if I could give you the Bobby version, he's saying, how dumb is that? 
How dumb is that, that, that you hear God's word and you don't do it? Like you, you look at your face and you don't do anything about it. You forget what you look at. You have to put your faith in action. But then James moves on. Let's keep going. Verse 25. The one who looks intently into the perfect law of freedom and perseveres in it and is not a forgetful hearer, but a doer who works, this person will be blessed in what he does. Let me say it like this. The Bible is a mirror, but it's also a map. The Bible is a mirror, and it's also a map. It reveals who you are, right? We read the Bible, we let the Bible read us. It reveals who we are, but it's also a map. You remember what the psalmist said in Psalm 119? Your word is what? A lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. What is that? God's word is a map that guides my path. He's the good shepherd. We're the sheep, and he guides us and directs us through his perfect word. Now, I want, you to, I want to break this down real quick because James says the Bible is the perfect law of God. All right? The perfect law of God. Now, now again, let me say this. The, the, the will of God is the law of God. All right? You can, you can bring that in. The law of God is the will of God. But he says this. He says there's freedom in the law of God. Now, for some of you, that's hard to accept, right? Because when you start thinking about laws, you're like, how is there freedom in laws? Laws is just a list of do's and don'ts, right? Laws are things that I'm not allowed to do. How can there be freedom in this law? Well, I want you to view this a little bit different. I want to challenge you to view this uh, a God's law not as do's and don'ts, but as life and death. Not as, not as just there's this big list that God says I can't do, but I want you to view it as life and death. Why? Because the enemy, how many of you know you got an enemy? The enemy doesn't want you to succeed. He, he, he wants you to believe you can do anything you want, right? We're seeing that every day on the news and in the world that we live in. You can do whatever you want. But even more, even more, he wants you to sit by and do nothing. He wants you to stay on the sidelines because, oh, it's just too hard to serve God. Oh, it's just too much. My schedule is too full. I got too, I got too many other things. I got too many irons in the fire with, with the family and the sports and the job. I got too much going on. And the enemy wants you to believe that you don't have to do anything. And this week I was putting some finishing touches on the sermon on Friday. And man, God just hit me with this, this. And I was like, that's it. The enemy doesn't have to get you in the headlines if he can just keep you on the sidelines. That's right. That's a double mmm. See, so often we think, well, I'm not doing anything bad, right? And, and, and there's, there's Christians, right? When they fall, we see it in the headlines, and there's movies about them, and there's Netflix specials about them. When Christians fall, it's a, it's a big deal. But for so many people that attend church every Sunday, it's not about, he doesn't have to put you in the headlines because he's got you on the sidelines. You're not doing anything. You hear the word, and you know you should, but you've not taken that step. Can I just tell you the enemy is still running the same play? We, we have his playbook, right? He's still running the same play that he's always ran, right? John 10.10 10 says what? The thief, that's his identity. That's who the enemy is. He's a thief. He's trying to steal something from you. What is he doing? He's coming only to steal, kill, and destroy you. 
That's his playbook. That's what we know about the enemy, that he is trying his best. His only goal is to make you miserable. And maybe you're miserable because of your choices, but maybe some of you, you're miserable because you know you're on the sideline and God's been calling you to take steps. He's been calling you. Here's what I need you to do. Here's what I need you to do. But you're afraid. Your life is too full. You won't step out and take that step. You've been a hearer and not a doer. But, but, but again, let's go back to life and death. Not do's and don'ts. Life and death. The enemy's ways will always lead to death. His ways will always lead to, to suffering and struggle. His ways will always lead to death. But if you look at the last part of John 10, 10. Jesus says, but I have come so that you may have life and have it in abundance. He goes on to say in, in, in the rest of John, he says, I'm the good shepherd and the sheep. They hear my voice. They hear my voice and I'm calling them to take a step of action. When you hear my voice, you take a step of action and it leads to life. It leads to abundant life. When, when we hear and when we obey the good shepherd's voice, it will always lead to life. But let's be honest, sometimes we're stupid. Sometimes we're stupid. We hear the voice and we do the opposite. We hear the voice and we stay standing on the sidelines. Like, That's good. That's good. Hope y'all do good with that, right? Reminds me of this little video I saw the other day. I brought it with me today. I want to show y'all this video. See if anybody can relate to this. I wonder how many of us can relate to the sheep. Some of you are like, dang, that was my week. <laughs> what a dumb sheep. It's a little too personal. As sinners, as sheep, we often run back to the places that we shouldn't. We often stay on the sidelines. We often wake up and find ourselves, man, I'm back in the ditch. <laughs> he helped me out, but I'm back in the ditch. And I want you to understand something. I think this is what James is doing. James is not, remember, this is a letter to Christians. He's trying to encourage them. And, and, I, and I think this is the encouragement. He wants to show us how desperately we are in need of a Savior. He wants to show us and he wants us to understand that, that, that God wants to, to help your life and God wants to rule your life. And so don't just listen to what he says. Do what he says. Now, I want to be very, very clear about something because we see James gets this point across. I think he does a good job. Don't just be listeners, be doers. But, but this encouragement can be very easily uh, uh, misinterpreted. Okay, because some of you can go, okay, okay, so the Bible is telling me to work. The Bible's telling me I have to earn God's favor. If I work, if I don't just listen, if I go out and I do what he says, then I'll be a good person, then I'll be able to go to heaven, then, then God will be happy with me, my life will be great. But that's not at all what James is trying to say. 
You see, James is a very practical book. I mean, you go home and you start reading some of these things, you're going to be a better parent, you're going to be a better husband, a better wife, like, like you're going to be a better leader. There's a lot of essential, practical stuff, but James is also very profoundly theological. And, 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 and what I want you to see is this. Here in James, and the rest of the New Testament teaches this. It's not about works. You don't, you don't earn God's favor by your works. Okay, here's what James is trying to say. Our sin separates us from God. Okay, because we're a sinner, you're born a sinner. There's nothing you can do about it, right? You didn't teach your kids how to lie, cheat, and steal, right? They just do that. Well, mine do. Yours may not, but uh, sorry, guys. Uh, uh, but, but, but you don't teach your kid how to be a sinner, right? We all have that in us. And because we all have sin, we're separated from a holy God who cannot know sin. And there's something in between us and the Lord. And the consequence of that sin is what? Is death. Is an eternity in hell. Our sin has separated us from death. We have to experience biblical salvation in order to have freedom from the eternal consequences of sin. Okay? We have to have this, this acceptance, make Jesus Lord of our life. Now, l- let me just make a little side note real quick. We may be forgiven of our sins, but there are still penalties and consequences of our sin. All right, let's make that very clear. It doesn't mean this is your license to go out and do whatever you want, right? If I go out and rob a bank tonight and I get caught, what's going to happen? I'm going to jail. There's still a penalty for my sin, right? So, so there's penalty for our sins, but I want you to see this. John says this, another very close and, and friend of Jesus. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Okay, so so it's not about how much work you do. It's not about if you do a bunch of good things and your good things outweigh your bad things. That's that's bad theology, because the Bible says the reason why Jesus came was to save you from your sins. So through Christ, we've been rescued, specifically Jesus's death, burial and resurrection. That's why we're able to achieve salvation. But then take it a step further. Ephesians says this. Paul says, in him, he's talking about Christ, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin in accordance with the riches of God's grace. So so right there we see scripture is very clear. We receive salvation only because of the graciousness, the undeserved gift of God. It's not about working and doing all these good things. It's only by the grace of God do we have salvation. But then Paul finishes out with this. I want you to see this. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ, even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you've been saved. All right. So James is extremely practical. Don't be don't just listen. Don't just be hearers, be doers. But but also he's trying to help us understand how do I receive salvation? It's not by working. How do I receive salvation? By faith alone, by faith alone, through grace alone in Christ alone. How do I receive this freedom from an eternity in hell? By grace alone, through By faith alone, through grace alone, in Christ alone. Salvation brings us restoration with God. So when when James is saying, hey, we gotta gotta work this thing out, it's not he's not talking about your salvation, okay? Salvation brings us restoration with God, and now we're in this right fellowship with him. 
Now, I, I, I want to I just teach for a second. Can I teach for a second? Are you guys okay with that? I want to just teach for a second. You know there's a difference in preaching and teaching, right? Like, okay, I'm just making sure y'all are smart. There's, there's three stages of salvation. There's three stages of salvation. Some scholars call it progressive salvation, okay, the process of salvation. And let me just give you these three real quick, and then we're going we're gonna to land the plane. We're going to be done. Okay, because this is this is really, really important. I don't want to misinterpret what James is saying. This isn't about there's 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 beliefs today. There's churches right now that are meeting right now that believe that if your good works outweigh the bad in your life, then when you get to stand before Jesus, you're going to be all good. And that's not what the Bible said. That's not what I read when the Bible says that's not what James is trying to say. Here's, here's what I believe the, the process or the progress of salvation. First, we see justification. Justification. That is, I am saved from the penalty of sin. The moment that I ask Jesus to come into my heart, I speak with my words, I believe it in my heart, I'm instantly forgiven from all my sins, all the past, all the present, all the future sins. I'm made right in the eyes of God in that moment instantly. It's justification. I'm saved from the penalty of sin. The second step is called sanctification. Sanctification is when I'm saved from the power of sin. Now, sanctification, listen to me, this is a process, all right? Although we're forgiven, we still have sins, right? Just because I invite Jesus to become Lord of my life doesn't mean all my problems go away, doesn't mean my addictions just go away, doesn't mean all my temptations just fall. I I, I still have a sin nature, Sanctification is a lifelong process in which we die more and more to ourselves. Sanctification is when when he uses the word of God like a chisel in my life and he gets rid of anything that doesn't look like Jesus. That's sanctification. And this, this process will not be complete until when Jesus comes back. But sanctification, this process, it saves us from the power of sin. And then we see the third thing. It's called glorification. Glorification is we are saved from the presence of sin. That's when Christ comes back and we go to heaven and he purifies us. He he destroys our sin nature. Our new bodies are like Christ. We'll be clothed in his righteousness. And God sees us through the lens of love. Now this is the, the, again, the, the process of the progress of our salvation. And, and, and I want you to see this because I want this to bring you hope. As you look through this process, I want you to be able to look at the justification, sanctification, glorification. Because we look at it and you say, you know what? I'm not where I want to be, but man, I'm not who I used to be. I'm not yet there, man. I got a lot of sanctification going. I need that, man. That's a process. I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I once was. See, James, I believe, he he brings faith and he brings works together and he marries these two things together to show the necessity of both. He says, "Don't don't just hear the word of God. Go do something about it. Go apply it to your lives. Go take a step of obedience. I started thinking this week and one game that, we're not allowed to play in our house is the what if game, right? We don't, we don't play the what if game. Cher won't let us. She's mean. But, but the Bible's full of stories of people who are called by him to take steps of obedience. 
I started thinking this week, what if they didn't? What if, what if these people we read about in the Bible, what if, what if Noah was like, no, I'm just going to, eh, I'm not going to build that ark. I'm just going to stay on the sidelines. That's good, y'all. Man, I, I pray for y'all. I hope, I hope everything goes well. What, what if Moses said, you know what, man, I'm, I'm a little fearful, Lord. I'm not a good leader. I can't speak very well. I'm not going to lead your people out of it. I'm not going to do it. What if, what if Moses was like, eh? What, what if the, the, the young boy, students in the room, what if the young boy didn't give up his lunch so to, to the disciples so the disciples could take it to Jesus and they feed 5,000 people? What if the young boy was just like, eh, I'm going to keep my lunch? What if, what if these men and women that we read about in the Bible, what, what, you, you guys remember the story, Mark, where, where the four friends, their, their friend was paralyzed, and they pick him up and they carry him to Jesus, and they couldn't get into the house, so they took the roof off and they lowered him through the roof. What if they were like, eh, it's going to be hard. <laughs> it's going to be tough to carry him, man. Yeah, I know he needs it, but it's going to be an awkward conversation, man. What if... What if we read about these men and women and they just stayed on the sidelines? Wouldn't be a very exciting book, would it? Wouldn't be a very appealing way of life. So today as we leave, I've got a simple question for you. What is God calling you to do? Because here's what we know. He's not calling you just to sit on the sidelines. What is God calling you to do? My heart, my desire since day one of of us launching City Hope Church is that we would be a we'd be a church full of doers. There's enough churches where the majority of people are just a church full of moors. What's God calling you to do? Maybe today you realize that, you know what? My step, the step of obedience that God's calling me to and he's been, he's been calling me, man, is just to begin a relationship with him. I don't have a relationship with Jesus. Maybe you're here today and the reality is you can, you can look in the mirror. You can look in the mirror and you can say, I've never made Jesus the Lord of my life. And I need to take that step. The mirror reflects who you really are. The mirror reflects the real you. And if God's calling you today to take a, a step and have a relationship with him, listen, listen. Do it do it today don't just be a hearer don't just walk out of here with that that feeling of yeah yeah I know he's calling me to something but I I don't know who to talk to I don't know what to say I'm going to feel weird take a step of faith don't just be a hearer be a doer maybe you're here today and you're like "All right, I've been on the sideline long enough I'm ready to do something I'm ready to do just like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Well, in these situations, I, one of my favorite 
pastors and leaders that I got to work with, he would always say this. He said, start with what you know. Start with what you know. Well, we know that God's called every single one of his children to love God with everything we got. And what's number two? To love our neighbor as ourselves. Start with what you know. We know that he's called every single believer to what we call the great commission. What does he say? He says, go, baptize, teach, disciple. Start with what you know. I don't know. God, what do you want me to do? Start with what you know. Go be a leader in somebody's life. Go invest in someone. Go disciple someone. Whatever your step is, can I just tell you this? It's not, it's not standing on the sidelines. Let's bow our heads. Love, love, love the book of James. So powerful, but yet so practical, so applicable to our lives. Church, I don't know what you've brought in here this morning. I don't know if, if you've been in church your whole life, if you're, if you're struggling in your faith journey, whatever it is. Can I just tell you, uh, hear me. There's been people praying for you all week long. There's been people preparing and praying for conversations to happen. Praying for you to, to, to be willing to take a step of action. We have, we have done our best to, to, to try to, to be here for you, but the ball is in your court. And God is saying, if you're ready to do, then take a step of obedience today. There's a lot of people here and on our team that are pastors, our, our volunteers, our leaders. They have shirts on. There'll be some back at the uh, tent when you walk out. There'll be some at the front tent when you walk out. Stop by and say, hey, can I talk to you? This is what God's calling me to do. Maybe this week your, your prayer life, your, your time with the Lord is simply seeking the face of God to say, all right, God, I heard you. I got to get off the sidelines. What do you want me to do? It's time for me to get in the game. God, I've got, app, I, I, I've got access to the word. I hear the word. I've got a lot of stuff memorized, man. I, I, I'm good and all that's great. But God, tell me what my step of obedience is. Would you this week be bold enough, be courageous and stuff to, enough to, to live out what James is saying. He says, man, don't just be hearers, be doers. May City Hope Church, may we never just be a church that opens our doors on Sunday. Says, man, that was good. But we live it out in our daily lives. Father, I love you, and I'm so, so, so thankful for who you are in our lives, that we can have moments like this where we dig into your word and we see your, your, your calling on our lives. We see you drawing us closer to you. Whether It doesn't matter our age. Lord, you have steps for every single one of us in here. And I pray that we would be a people that, that we don't walk away from the mirror and forget what we look like. Pray that we don't just read the word, but we let the word read us. Lord, raise up some families in this room right now to get off the sidelines and get in the game. Serving you, loving you, honoring you, taking steps of obedience because your way leads to life. And Jesus, we do all of this not to earn anything. 
We do all of this because you've already given us. It is our worship. It is our thanksgiving. It is our pleasure and privilege to serve and honor you. Lord, we love you. We praise you. And we thank you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. As we uh, get ready to dismiss, two things real quick. Number one, um, I'll be up here. We've got some of our other pastors in the back. If you need somebody to talk to, take time to do that today. Take time to do that today. Number two, um, it's, been, it's been an incredible summer uh, meeting together in one service at 1030. But we're just going to start announcing this. The first Sunday in August, which is the 6th, August 6th, we'll go back to two services, okay? So some of you guys who like getting up a little early, you can come at the 9 o'clock service. So it will be 9 and 1030, 9 and 1030, beginning August 6th, all right? So listen, on your way out, high five three people you don't know. We love you. We thank you. Have a great week, and we'll see you next Sunday. Thanks again for tuning in with us today. We would love to connect with you, and the best way to do that is through social media or go straight to our website. God bless you, and have a wonderful day.